Ah, here we are in Vegas. In Vegas. Uh, what a whirlwind. What are we, six, six days in now? Yeah, we are. Goodness gracious. Um, it's felt like weeks. We've crammed so much into such a short space of time and every kind of section of day feels like a day all its own. It's hard to believe how much we've experienced in... Yeah, like... Mm. I feel like we've been to five different states, <laughs> but we've only just hit a second state. Yeah, a lot um, of planes. Yeah. The Gaga lifestyle is not all that the meme cracks it up to be. I, uh, I, don't, I don't need this many planes in my life. <laughs> but luckily for us, we have, what, eight days now before we have to next get on a plane. Yeah, I've been really loving the car time, just chill and quiet and music and just getting out, just getting to actually see America rather than kind of yeah. see a cloud bank and hope yeah. for the best. Yeah, the, the car will be a lot nicer. Um, and it's easier for us to like have our weird, sometimes inappropriate conversations. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> inappropriate. Many times, Tori, but like without having to worry about disturbing other Passengers children. or children. <laughs> children. <laughs> Mostly concerned about children. Yeah. So we thought for this episode, we would give you a recap of the two shows we've been to so far. Mm -hmm. So this is tour part one. Yeah. And uh, then we'll recap the three LA shows in a separate episode. Yeah. Then we'll get stuck into the the main episodes which are focusing on the songs from the album and our experiences in a bit more detail and more of people we've met um, in interviews and that sort of thing. It'll yeah. be everything. We're just finding that in these last few days, the tour time is, I don't know what it's like for you, but it's feeling to me like a great condensation where all the themes are starting to emerge of what it is that we're grappling with and what it is that we're wanting to create and for me like the shape of, of things is starting to become clear and how we want to kind of approach the next well, seven eight weeks it's just been a really great i don't we just didn't want to wait and we yeah. wanted to share, yeah. the, the, share the tour with you as well because it's but, been out of control incredible so good but also i honestly feel like she's building these set lists just for me and michael's walk i feel like she's yeah. like that's your Aquarian moon talking. <laughs> well, that's how I'm going to interpret it anyway. Um, but, but more so than that, it is, it's like you said, it's that giving uh, voice, like crystallizing what we're here to do mm. and why we're here to do it. And I have to admit, doing this five shows at the beginning of our trip is so much better yes. than doing them at the end of our trip. Yeah. Um, as we will get all of these insights to then reflect on for the next two months. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Michael Earp. And I'm Bailey Turner. Welcome to Michael's Walk, the podcast. Michael's Walk is a road trip, a search for something. Spoilers, it's myself, and it was inside all along. If only it were that simple. Driven by Tori Amos's album, Scarlet's Walk, I'm recreating the journey Scarlet took in its 20th anniversary year. I'll also be there. With the loving and patient, always patient, support of Bailey and Teague Lee, three trans queers set out across America. That's 33 states in 55 days. To connect with the songs, the land that inspired them, and the fans inspired by the songs. 
We'll talk music, travel, healing, and hope as we ask the questions, how do I heal from 15 years of coercive control and manipulation? And what role does the music we listen to play in our own relationship narratives? We've self-produced this podcast and trip. You can support us via GoFundMe. For the full story, head to michaelerb.net. So we, before we went to tour, obviously we've been, we landed in San Francisco and we've spent a lot of time at the Castro and connecting to our sort of, for me, it was a lot about connecting to queer lineage and to queer history. And it's just been quite earth shaking to kind of have those experiences. And then to go between San Francisco and then to Yosemite, which is so like oh. universally glorious. Um, just gobsmackingly breathtaking mm. from the moment you arrive. Yeah, literally. If you've never been, put it on the list. Yeah. It's just, yeah. Sorry, my nihilism has been like out of control since we got here as well. <laughs> it's the thing about life-changing experiences. <laughs> they make you feel very small and make you take life a lot less seriously. Somehow you gain this sort of very broad perspective. Um, and so first show was in Oakland in California, which I didn't realize was just across the bridge from San Francisco. Yeah, we caught the BART, is that what they call it? It is called the BART. I don't know why, we haven't, <laughs> it's on the homework out. list. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we were staying just at the foot of the Bay Bridge um, in a tiny little hotel there. We just jumped on the train and Went to our first meet and greet of the tour. Yeah. So she's not doing meet and greets like she wanted on Airly, for those of you who don't know. It's like video messages and you can give gifts. And um, But we both found it was a wonderful way to, A, promote merch, and B, meet some yeah. incredible yes. humans. Um, oh, I did want to actually spend a minute or two explaining for the people who are not familiar with Dory um, the purpose of the meet and greet and where it's come from yeah. in the course of her career mm. because I know talking a lot with my mother about this, she just finds it astounding that Tori does this. And um, so basically her entire career, she's been meeting with people on the day of her show, um, hearing their stories, hearing what's going on with them. And then she will adapt this, that night's set list to incorporate the voice of the city that she's in. So a, a set list is never the same in any two cities. It's not like um, some of the big, more pop-focused dance routine kind of tours where it's the same set list at every single show. And if you go more than once, then you're just seeing like, the same it show. It might yeah. be spectacular over and over again, but it's, it is the same songs. Mm. Whereas Tori deliberately puts herself in the psyche of the city she's in mm. and wants to speak to it and what's going on politically and emotionally. And so because of COVID, she's unable to meet people in person. Um, it's a precaution. She's not um, doing the physical meet and greets uh, since COVID hit. Mm. But on the day, at a certain time, someone is there to record a short video message from you and collect any letters and gifts you might have for yeah. her. Shout out to David H yeah. for doing that um, incredible, it's emotional labor. There's no two ways about it. Like she really cracks herself open and 
not doing it to her directly didn't make me feel any less really vulnerable oh, to yeah. it, you know, yeah, um, you I know so if, if not more so, because it's, you know, it's to her, but it is to someone, you know, so like, brilliant kudos to David for doing it. Um, and, and obviously Tori's extensive team of fans and staff and volunteers who, you know, make that, who continue to make that space available to those of us for whom that is such a key component of tour and it is for her as well, which is why she's gone to all this effort to make sure it can still happen. That was really cool. And we got to meet Kenny, Kenny Dulock, yeah. um, shout out to Kenny, who then, bless him, friggin' at San Francisco, drove me like an hour to San Mateo <laughs> to get me tattooed, which felt amazing um, and has just been really lovely and taken really good care of us, um, is driving a whole bunch of your stuff to Las Vegas because someone <laughs> went shopping. <laughs> yeah, I got a little bit carried away both. Um, in the Castro and then at the merch store. The merch store was hilarious because um, I walked up with a list that I'd written while I was queuing on my phone of like the number of the item and the size that I wanted in. And so I was like, I have a list. And I started reading them out. I want this, 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 and this in a medium and this, this in a whatever. And um, she was trying to gather them all for me. And she kept on trying to like offer me the payment method. And I'm like, oh no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and I like twice had to tell her, oh, more, I'm getting more. And I'm, I'm just giving, yeah, <laughs> giving it to you in chunks. Um, so show one at Oakland was, I mean, it was incredibly powerful for me as well because I obviously got back a bit later from getting tattooed and got to see people I've known for, you know, two, three, five years, um, but haven't, some I haven't met yes. um, in person, some I haven't seen in that long. Um, so just it, the whole thing felt so warm and so loving and the fanship this year just feels so much more deeply connected. And so we, I think um, that played out in the show in the way that we're a part of a Facebook group dedicated to um, Tori Amos. And during lockdown, we all connected in a big way, um, sharing Zooms, like hours long Zoom mm -hmm. sessions, um, and really got to know each other. Uh, even though we were on opposite sides yeah, of the world. Yeah. And so, so many people I was saying hey to for the first time in person, but it was huge warm hugs yeah. as if like it had only been a week or so since mm. we saw a great friend. Mm. It was a, a surreal experience. So what do you think about Juarez as the opener? I have many thoughts and I'm, I was trying to decipher because when you look at Juarez as a choice for an opener, like it's this seemingly obscure few albums ago. Um, Very short little. Yeah. I mean, I've always loved it, but I don't think it's ever like been earth shakingly moving for me. And so I was finding it fascinating that she has been opening pretty much every show with Juarez and seeing it in person helped me understand why a little bit. And then I went back and reread the lyrics that both made it more interesting and more of an odd choice in some ways, because Juarez is her giving voice to the desert. And it's all about the atrocities that can go on in the desert. And the refrain is no angel came. That's what she sings over and over. And I'm like, hang on a second. This is the 
ocean to ocean tour, you've written an album that's very water-based and all about healing, and here you are opening every show with the desert. But I also see it as a call for us to acknowledge that no angel is coming and to step up and save ourselves. Mm. Um, and perhaps we're in the in an like a political desert currently or an emotional desert and um, we really need to uh, be our own angel. Mm. It's interested me because part of what I thought it was about was that, you know, obviously Tori lives in the UK, has been in America for a little while now, um, but is based out of Cornwall. And to come back to do tour for America for the first time in five years, I thought Juarez was an incredible choice to sort of reconnect her to the spirit of her home. Um, was sort of my first initial reading of that. Mm. And it sets that stage really nicely. Um, you know, the, the content is incredibly empowering and, and very um, provoking. It's very provocative to the listener. Like lines like, you know, I don't know if you know what you just said. To me, the whole thing really connected and has made me think a lot more about um, the cause around um, murdered and missing Indigenous women um, and what's kind of happening in the Native American community, especially at the moment. And it is also happening in our home where missing Aboriginal children are going vastly unreported, uh, you know, very inactive. Well, that's um, what inspired the song initially. Yeah, literally. So, um, so, but like, it just speaks to, I've loved that. I was like, there are so many big conversations happening in America right now, particularly around, you know, gun control. Gun control is getting all the press, no action. And then you've got this really serious sort of endemic, you know, huge numbers of women in particular who are, it's, it's genocidal violence. There's no two ways about that. And that's, I don't know, it just seems like a wonderful reminder um, that there's a lot going on right now. And we need to keep an eye on a lot of things whilst we're sort of enjoying being in the space. The space is actively political. The space is actively questioning the activism and action of the people in the audience. And that fucking just kicks off. It's great. And then to follow that with Bouncing Off Clouds, you know, such an optimistic, there's a lot of shit going on that you need to do something about. But it's not as heavy as it seems. You've got to make it easy. Like, mm. in sort of that, that real lovely dichotomy of like, I need you to get your ass in gear here. But I don't need you to feel guilt or shame or I don't need to be cancelling or any of this crap. Just find the joy in doing something good for your fellow human and for the planet and for the animals. Like, make it fun. Wrap it in mint ice cream. You know, like, it's that. <laughs> it, it's just a... I love the way she's kicking off this tour. Bouncing off clouds kind of destroyed me, mm. particularly at Oakland. I, I was like... Oh, we're two songs in mm -hmm. and like the show began on its feet. The entire audience stood for Juarez and they continue to stand for bouncing and bouncing is very upbeat and fun. And so there was lots of dancing. My knees were honestly quaking mm. and I could barely stand because I was being so emo emotionally affected by bouncing because I felt like she was singing it directly to me mm. about what I'm here doing. Mm. Um, Michael's walk is such a big thing. And there are all these moments like, um, I'll talk about these more in the main episodes, but 
on the plane on the way over, I had this moment where I realized that the defensive dam that I had put in place that is my work life has gone. Like I have completely removed it mm. for the next two months. So there is nothing between me and what's going on inside me. Mm. And that was quite a big revelation for me as I'm sitting there on the plane. Um, but then when I'm out in the Yosemite, like in the middle of the wilderness and listening to a sort of fairy tale and I'm just like, oh wow, like what I'm actually, what I'm doing here is a big thing. Yeah, huge. Um, actually there was a moment at the, the meet and greet when I was recording my video, <laughs> I tried to summarize this trip. How'd that go? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I've only got a minute, so I need to somehow get across to Tori how far gravity, I've come, yeah. the, the, the gravity of this project, and not just for me, but for, because I seem to be connecting with a lot of people who think that this is such a good idea mm. and, and also need it talked about for their own reasons. Absolutely. And so as I was trying to describe it, to David, well, to the, the, the camera, iPad. <laughs> the iPad, to Tori, I was like, oh, we've, we've flown from Australia. We're, uh, we're here for two months. I've seen, we're seeing five of the shows. Um, and, then, and then we're taking two months to drive all around America do, following Scarlet's walk map um, so that I can write a memoir about uh, interpersonal violence and um, coercive control. And David goes, oh, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, crap. Yeah, this, this is a big thing. Like, yeah. like it, it's no small thing that I'm doing. Absolutely not. And we've all, I think we've all had that realization because you know, we've been hustling so hard to get here and working and we've been talking about it to everyone and you can become a bit desensitized to it. And I would say it's been the same experience for me. It's just like, Jesus, like, what have I done? Like, I've literally like, Thrown, yeah, thrown my work like into complete free fall and just sort of surrendering to some, this incredible experience that we're, we're taking. It's, it is huge. If you've watched any of my track-by-track uh, uh, track videos or anything. And if you haven't, you're getting a spanking when I come home. <laughs> <laughs> you should go check them out. But also, one of the big things with Scarlet's Walk for me is that when I was listening to it from a place of within an unhappy relationship, I was misinterpreting it as encouragement to stay there. And so I didn't, I wasn't getting what I needed at the time to show me how to remove myself from that situation. Mm. And that it just took time for me to get, get there. Mm. But what, one of the things that really stood out for me listening to bouncing is when she's saying failure to respond I did but did you listen and I was just like that's like the whole that's, that's what I'm doing here um, I'm here to reassess my interpretation of my entire past 
my experiences, find healing, mm. like connect with people um, because, yeah, it could be so much easier. Mm. We could be bouncing mm -hmm. off clouds. Mm -hmm. But then what really got me, and I actually had to sit down at this point, is when she mashed up mm. the refrain, the final bridge of Reindeer King in the end of the song um, where she's singing, I gotta get you back to you, mm. get you back to you girl. Mm. But not just, she didn't just sing that, she, she then sang, we've gotta get you back. Mm. And that's, that, particularly that part of that song has always been a big thing for me because I got into that relationship when I was 18 I didn't didn't know who I was really like I was still I was still living at home yeah. until I was not and then I was in that relationship and then my coming of age was from within that space and so once I left that relationship I got fixated on this idea of discovering rediscovering who I was, getting back to me, who I was before then. But I've recently come to realise that that's impossible mm. because I, I wasn't a fully formed human then, but I can get back to who I am at my core and that's actually what all of these songs are about. Mm. So, yeah, I was weeping heavily while everyone was dancing around me. Mm. Wow. It was really something because um, obviously it was our first show of the tour and um, Michael, we got to and Michael upgraded, um, yeah. which was awesome um, that that could sort of happen on first show. So um, I was I didn't just kind of stand by while my friends sobbed in their chair. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I was not there, <laughs> not present for this, yeah. but also like we've yeah, uh, when you whatever you go through a tour show, you just kind of got to go through it because it is incredibly powerful. And you know, for me, that sort of moment really happened when she did Girl Disappearing, which I know you had such a deep connection to as well. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And she talked about how, you know, she went, you know, this isn't a request, it's just, you know, she just wants to be here tonight. Um, and I think, you know, everyone in that theatre felt the way that we felt. I didn't talk to anyone who, did, who wasn't, you know, remarkably impacted by that song um it just was very special you know from a coming from a trans place and sort of for me in the last little while I've been sort of using as a handle on my zooms and on my, any of my Tory stuff girl reappearing because that's how I've responded to that song is like it's about watching those moments where you do hide in your you hide in the gender presentation that people want from you um, and you can reduce things and, you know, and that was kind of what life was for the last sort of 30 odd years. Um, and so now to be in a position where, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to hide, there isn't a secret prison in my mind anymore. You know, there really is a sense of freedom and, but you know, just that reminder of what that battle is always going to be um, was just, out of, yeah, it was beyond um, special. I wanted to, take a moment and actually read the lyrics of Girl Disappearing mm. because it's 
not on Scarlet's Walk, so we won't be going to it in depth in any other episode. Um, but uh, because we both had such a strong response to it, I think um, it would be good for people who are not familiar with the song to right. really see what, what we have. Because uh, the other thing is she added in an extra little chorus bridge thing, ad lib, that was what really pulled my pin out. Oh, and good, because I, I don't remember. I was like, I um, was lost. I was completely lost right. in the experience, but I couldn't tell you what happened or... <laughs> so the lyrics are 7 a.m., so it begins again. One zero favouring familiar silhouettes. Left whips and chains behind I'm boycotting trends. It's my new look this season. Riding on backs of palominos. Primed for an attack, it's as good, as good as it gets. With girl disappearing, what on earth's occurring? Because she's right in front of me. A girl disappearing to some secret prison. Behind her eyes, she whispers. Big surprise, there was no protection by this urban light. So I'm running to a constellation where they can still see you. And this is where she inserted the extra lyrics live, which were... such a as a song it just really it's one of those sort of really unassuming ones on American Doll Posse if you want to listen to it but it's it's so deeply about sisterhood and about women lifting other women up and it's not just about gender it's just about you know what it means to make family and how the people around us kind of remind us not to silence ourselves or hide ourselves when something's going on. And, you know, it, which is kind of really feeds in well to the whole Don't Make Me Come to Vegas kind of connection that we're making now, um, which is also kind of about that. We, you know, a lot of us, you know, the three of us all asked when we flew in here, like, why are we here? Why did we, why did we come here? What are we getting out of this? Like, we kind of all looked around and we were like, she, no, not one of us three actually wanted to come here. This wasn't kind of actually on any of our agendas, but we've somehow wound up here. And for me, it's like a real big opportunity to go, hang on, what's, let's not let this run away with us. Yeah. Um, and remember that we may have made a plan, but we can make decisions and we're not bound to this. Like, I'm not saying that we're going to sort of change the whole thing. It's like, 
that we may have made a plan, but we can make decisions and we're not bound to this like, I'm not saying that we're gonna sort of change the whole thing. It's like, but I think it's very easy to get kind of caught up in, in, in being bound to anything as a sort of a need to lean on so that you don't have to be present because there's always the next thing and there's always something else as opposed to going, well, actually just, just take the moment as it is. And if there's a change that you're called to, take it. Like, you know, and that's, that's what kind of that, that moment really felt like. And I know that it wasn't too long after that that um, I did something that I've never done at a Tory show before, which is actually walked out. I just was like, no, I've, I've, I've reached capacity and I've, I've got what I need and I, what, I need, what I need now is to go to the bathroom and go buy a crop sweater and go sit in a gutter and, you know, have a think about some things and not feel tied to any given moment except the one that I know that is going to fulfil my need at the time. Yeah. Can't say I wasn't entirely scandalised when I discovered that you had left halfway through the show. But it wasn't halfway through. It was, I yeah, left, like, quarters. I left, I, yeah, I left before the sort of final, you know, when she does, she was doing, um... The last five, basically. Yeah. The sort of, the closing, the closing moment. Yeah. I did see edition, and yeah. I think I, I think when Devil's Bane kicked off, I was like, oh, you know what, I'm not sure I've got the space for Devil's shame, Bane. Shame, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Don't need to be called a Jezebel just now. Yeah, because Girl Disappearing went straight into leather, which is uh, pretty much a... It's a very empowering bop in some ways. Hearing it as a sing-song was yeah. really fascinating to me because I take that song so seriously. And I, I know that Tori gets very junky in a lot of their songs, but it was kind of this... It was, it, was, it was just this kind of moment where I'm like looking around all these people just kind of singing about, singing about, I'm like, do you know what you're like, what you're, what you're diving into? Like, you know, what, you know, how, especially when you consider the fact that that song was the first song Tori played for a studio exec again. This was like her, after taking years and years and years away, terrified of the industry and terrified of herself and unable to decide whether she was ever going to be a, a, a commercial musician again. Leather was the song that brought her back and Leather was the song that she wielded to cut her way back into the industry because she was told it, was nev it should never ever go anywhere and she should never play it for anyone ever and she was like, no, fuck this, I'm, this is what I'm going to make. So Leather, like, you know, sort of for it to, it was just sort of wild, like, wow, I, I wonder if people realise what your kind of just yeah. data, data, dying along to yeah. like not, I'm the not whole, saying like, I'm not disrespecting yeah, no, the anyone's whole audience right to do that. Was, was singing along. It was, um, and like, it is very bouncy, very, it yeah. is a bouncy, fun, enjoyable song on that level. I was hunched over in my seat. Yeah. <laughs> Still recovering. Yeah. I was like, from girl disappearing. Baroken. Um, what other, what other highlights from um, from Oakland did you uh, want to share? Yeah, well, I don't think I'd really gotten Russia until I heard it live. Yeah. Um, and realised just how political, politically minded she is generally. Mm. Of course we knew this, but like 
Russia doesn't shy away from it at all. No, it's, it's all there on the page. There's um, no yeah metaphor or simile in that. And then to move straight into Little Amsterdam. Uh, yeah. Which again is just like very dark, very dark. It's another one that I've never connected to before, oh. but in the light of all of the anti-gun violence rallies that um, people are flocking to across this country to have uh, Tory be singing that Mama, it wasn't my bullet up on stage. Yeah, in the wake of, I don't know how to pronounce the name, in te- the name of the, the place in Texas where the shooting happened. Mm. It's, still, it's clearly still very much in the psyche, which is no surprise, it's the death of 21 children. Um, yeah, really, freaking cut at that, definitely. Mm. And then, then we move into Edition of Light Divided. This is why Tori's set lists are so spot on because mm. they, they do tell a narrative. Mm. They do lead into the other one. Edition of Light Divided is such a beautiful song about how leaning on each other is the way for mm. healing. Like if we share our pain, mm. uh, we heal from it. And um, this is the opening track of her latest album. Mm. Um, and it, it's one of my favorites from that album because, and I also think it's like the unofficial read, not Scarlet, um, not Scarlet. Oh, you go with this. <laughs> it's it's like the it's the unofficial theme song of Michael's Walk, right? Because it's not a Scarlet song, mm. but what it is about is voicing your pain and sharing it mm. with others in order for everyone to mm. heal. It's that addition of light divided, and I had already planned a tattoo mm. with the symbol that she's got um, for this song. Um, in the album artwork and I had planned to adapt it so that my light globe would be spilling rainbow light mm. everywhere. Mm, beautiful. And then halfway through this mm. song, the lighting design changes to this absolutely stunning uh, spectrum, spectrum, rainbow yeah. kind of you know, um, light, you know, light orbs. There's a name for it. It's like very much like the sort of film, you know, you do sort of three primaries that do the combination. Yeah, and when they and overlap, they make the different colours, but then when they're all overlapping, it's white. Mm. And um, because that is what light mm. is. Mm. And it just, it's the perfect illustration of the addition yeah. of light divided. Mm. And because it was rainbow as well, I'm like, but that, that's what I'm getting tattooed on me <laughs> as soon as I can. Um, yeah, that also spoke very deeply to me. Yeah. Um, and then we moved into a bit more of a, oh, well, I wouldn't say Devil's Bane is, we were coasting towards the end of the show, I think. Mm. That's, Devil's Bane is when the stage rush happened. Yeah, before we get there, I probably want to just, you know, say a word about Girl. Um, oh, yeah. Which also played, which is kind of in that sort of chunk with Girl disappearing and that, that song is critical. Um, and I think, you know, f- for me, you know, sort of what's coming out is, is really allowing me to process the grief of, um, 
of what becoming a woman actually is doing to my life. Um, and, you know, celebrating transition is such an important part of what I do and I'm very proud of how far I've come. But there is, there's unquestionable loss that is happening and, and irrevocable change that I'm having to grapple with. So, and that, you know, that, that's not just, that's, you know, that's about my previous relationship. That's about my power I used to sort of, you know, revel in. That's about, you know, my ability to walk a street behind my two friends and not be concerned about what direction we take or who's around. And it's, it, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot of it there. So Girl really was one of the first songs that I listened to sort of the night that I transitioned, I actually sat in my room and listened to the Earthquakes um, front to back and just cried and just lost my shit because every single song seemed to be sort of connecting very directly with that experience in a way I'd never realized it could before. Um, and obviously the, the sort of main rhythm of girl is, you know, she's been everybody else's girl, maybe one day she'll be her own. Um, and it really, each of the verses coast through some of the different meanings of what girlhood actually looks like. And that's kind of where I'm at now, hormonally. Uh, so to sort of hear, to hear that on stage just really rocketed me right back to when this kind of whole thing began. And I had a really wonderful comment from a mutual friend of ours a while ago where she said, oh, you don't strike me as, as a trans woman who's only been trans for you know, a year. You carry yourself as someone who's been five, 10 years you know, into her transition. And that kind of, you know, maybe that intellect or that wisdom has, it comes at, it comes at such a big price. And it can also mean that you skip the good shit. You forget to live your youth and you forget to feel frivolous and you forget to take risks. And that's kind of, you know, that's what I'm sort of grappling with. So it felt really good to hear that on stage and have that be a real peacemaking moment. And mm. I'm going to be doing some revisiting of that over the next chunk of time. Absolutely. And Girl, for me, it, it really spoke to me in a way that... Um, So uh, approaching Michael's walk has felt very selfish, but that's only because I've never given myself anything. I always defer. I always like the, the other person in any scenario to be happy and comfortable and getting what they want. Mm. And so there's a lot of self-sacrifice that goes on in the way that I interact with people. And so girl was, a really good reminder for me that I don't have to feel bad about claiming this for myself mm. and but also not not leaning too heavily on the performative aspects of it either because sometimes I feel like my self-reflection is a spectacle but I also have to remind myself that I'm allowed to not share everything mm. as well. Um, Absolutely. I, I can go through the ringer <laughs> and not put it in a podcast. Um, or uh, there are moments that I will have on this trip that won't be included in the book mm. or on this podcast because they are deeply personal mm. And they are my own. Mm. But I also have the goal of 
opening myself up and being vulnerable mm. in order to help other people. <coughs> and so it, it is a double-edged sword mm. and I need to walk that line delicately, but girl was a lovely reminder that, you know, maybe, maybe someday I will be my own. Mm. But the end of the show that I shockingly, mm-hmm. disgustingly missed. A scandal. Um, um, while I was out, <laughs> I mean, listening to <laughs> Madison <laughs> Avenue at, at the gay club next oh, door. The gay club what were y'all doing? Uh, right, so we, we got Devil's Bane. That was where the stage rush happened. Devil's Bane, you know, again, it, it's, <laughs> it doesn't shy away from what it's about. But the funny thing is, it wasn't until the lovely Dawn, who's been doing a lot of work with me on Michael's Walk, said that she thought that Devil's Bane is for me, and I revisited it. And if you take that voice of the priest and you make it the voice of my ex, it so strongly speaks to my experience and the way shame was yielded over me, wielded over me even. And, uh, and I wielded against myself mm. too, these learned shame and how we inflict pain on each other with it. Um, and how you self-medicate through that. Yes. A great deal. The devil's bane became so personal in that instant because, yes, it's a priest speaking. So up until that point, I had always read into the narratives with the church, as is the point of the song. Um, but the second I just said, well, maybe the voice of authority or whatever that's in it is the one that you were listening to from within that relationship. Mm. Um, it, it just made so much sense. Mm. And then we moved straight into God. So again, Tori, she knows how to pair songs because <laughs> God, sometimes you just don't come through. Mm. Do you need a woman looking after yeah. you? Um, I need a woman looking after me, but maybe it's... I'm trying. <laughs> Bailey is playing mum in yeah. the best possible oh way. Oh my goodness, the mum moments, they need their own episode almost yeah. already. <laughs> maybe we'll add mum moments to the general <laughs> um, Times Bailey played mum. Mm. Um, which went straight into Bliss. Bliss spectacularly paired with Running Up That Hill by Kate Bush, oh. mashed up together. It was such a banger. I have listened to the bootleg, I've watched the video, and it is incredible, especially because running is not something that she ordinarily puts with Bliss. Um, it's gone, it traditionally goes with something else, I can't remember off the top of my head now, um, when she's done it. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just it. a great, I mean, perfect kind of call out to the success, I mean, you know, running out the, that hill being Number the number one, one song across the world, basically. After you know, it, an episode of Stranger over, Things over over thirty five years. years later, amazing, um, amazing. But then, uh, thematically, they fit perfectly together. Mm. Bliss of another kind, mm. and can I steal this moment from you mm. now? Yeah, literally. And let's exchange the experience. Mm. That's extra. Running out that hill. Oh my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> it's just such a brilliant song but this is not a Kate 
Bush podcast. Um, yeah, see you in five years. The, the Bush walk. <laughs> the Bush walk. <laughs> Michael goes Bush. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, funny. So um, that was... That then, was Oakland. Oh, and then, oh, well then... We'll just... Because we've gone on for such a long time on Oakland. Um, Conflict Girl, Space Dog mashed up with Back to Life, which was lots of fun. I think Teague, that was one of his highlights. And then finishing with Precious Things, which never fails to just be everything. Mm. Precious Things. If you just want a powerful, powerful Tory song, classic Tory, go listen to Precious Things. Mm. It's got the stuff, that one. Absolutely. So then we took a little flight down to San Diego, Um, bumped into... Even more Wonderful Humans, Matthew Presidente, Dan Vidaya, Danny Halusim, oh Kenny drove down. It just, there was so many. And like met, um, actually met someone famous. <laughs> Who did you meet? We met Mrs. Krabby Apple. <sighs> like, icon. out of drag. It <laughs> um, was amazing. This is like, yeah. you know, there have been a fair few drag performers over the years that have riffed on or kind of done. Tory tributes, but none of them quite have hit it like Mrs. Krabby Apple has. So it was really cool meeting her, and she's a fucking darling, and so is her beau. Yeah. So that was a very big highlight getting to meet her. I was a bit. Yeah, Jerry and Josh, such lovely, lovely people, Mm. and I'm here for everything they do. I also love that over tour, um, Jerry's like come out because there was such a long time where like everyone was trying to find out who she was. Like, who is this? Who is Mrs. Crabby Apple? Like, who is she in the community? And she was going real stealth. But um, I think she posted something the other day to sort of connect that she'd gone on tour. And it was just, it was awesome. Jerry's an absolute star. But it meant that um, we didn't get a meet and greet um, before San Diego because of traffic for poor David and Shah. But um, we got to all chill and have naps and come back for an early show, which yeah. kicked off in the usual way. Yeah. But um. Maybe we'll just truncate. Pick, let's yeah, let's pick up just the bit. Let's pick up. What were your sort of key big moments? Like let's just, just right. roll them out for we'll me. Just, I'll list them and then we'll stop for just the big ones. Juarez bouncing off clouds again, mashed up with Reindeer King. Oh heaven, um, a sort of fairy tale mm. had me weeping. Much like I was weeping listening to it in the middle of Yosemite. Mm. So, you know, look out for the a sort of fairy tale episode. Cry track, yeah. Where I uh, really break down what's going on with me and that. Um, then, addition of Light Divided up front this time, yeah. um, right which was gate. lovely to hear again. Ocean to Ocean, title track of the new album, which I just, I love the politics of that one. I yes. love how it is about climate change and it's about governance and so many things and it it really is just saying well the people with the money and the power are the ones that are contributing to the destruction of the planet Mm. and what are we going to do about it Um, because the ocean wants to heal the the planet and we'll be on one side of that wave yeah um pretty good year yep is a highlight that just, oh my goodness, everything. Mm. Um, For those that don't know Pretty Good Year, 
was the first track of the second album, Under the Pink, and has been in my top 10 for basically my entire Tory fandom. Mm -hmm. But again, this is one that I saw in a new light that night because I was hearing it in light of all of the um, anti-gun violence rallies that were happening that day across the country. Yeah, what's it gonna take till my baby's mm. all right? Just yeah. really, yeah, spoke volumes. Mm. Anyway, we could do a whole episode on Pretty Good. <laughs> yeah. Purple People was incredibly yeah. moving to me. This, um, this has always been a one that I love and it says a lot. I know Bailey's spoken <laughs> in the past about Tori tapping into the trans psyche with Thunder wishes it could be snow. the snow. She could be as loved as she is. Yeah. Um, so I know you'd be feeling this one too. But even just like, purple's been such a wonderful theme of this whole adventure. And so it really felt like a wonderful, and like, I, yeah, I don't want anyone who's listened to this who's not kind of in the sort of, who doesn't get the whole Tory jam to kind of sit and be like, well, are there any songs they don't love? And what is this whole thing? And like, you know, this is across the community, you know, Tory's songs are so open and somehow also still so specific that they have a way of just reaching every single person in that space. And so it really feels like communing. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like your standard show. It's just, it's, you can't liken it to going to see Beyonce. <laughs> you know, it's just not yeah. the same. So Purple People, you know, it, Which it really, was... really was a very queer, a queer call to me. But it also was a version, I've not heard it live before. Mm. Um, and so it, for me, it was a version that I had not heard where it was slower than Sofa usual. Pared down, yeah. Um, it really pared back quite earthy in the way that she was presenting it. But for me, again, things speaking to me on a Michael's Walk level, um, the line that uh, really, oh, it doesn't leave a scratch, so therefore no one's hurt. Mm. Fucking hell. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what you're trying to say. Just like, Tori, how do you do this? Like, <laughs> how do you get to the heart of what's going on in my head all the time? Well, that's, I mean, you know, to sort of spell that out for people who are listening, like that's the whole result of what this is, is to remind people and to communicate that in queer relationship violence, and in any kind of relationship violence, yeah. you know, um, there is so much more to it. And you know, a physical expression of violence is one of many forms of control, forms of abuse, uh, and, and styles of breaches of boundaries. So, um, you know, and that's really what we are trying to sort of unearth yeah. over the course of this. So it was a great, yeah, what a good pickup. Yeah, it just... I heard that one line so clearly mm. and I'm just like, yes, Tori, you get it. She nailed it. Ah, but moving on, um, <laughs> too strange. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Kill me. I remember it. Was, I remember it so clearly because like we were both me and Michael have very serious connections to strange. I've loved how much, um, how much Scarlet's Walker has been on this tour and like, you know, we've, we have had a lot of Scarlet in the mixes 
Um, and like through the show, we're like, you know, sort of clasping each other's hands or rubbing each other's backs and we're like looking at each other and having this good time and strange came and we both just went, yeah. like, don't touch me. across like from each other, like don't come anywhere near me. Like, I will fall to, to pieces. Need to stay very, stay perfectly still. Um, fuck. It, yeah, I think, and uh, you know, we won't go into too much because I know we're going to have a whole episode dedicated yeah. to our feelings on strange, but. Um, and we can know. revisit our life experience as part of that episode mm-hmm. too. But it was, it's a beautiful song about the parting of the ways yeah. and, and the sort of subtle devastations of mistreatment in relationships, um, which dove really fascinatingly into Jackie's strength, which is sort of this same vibe, but, but very different kind of art. Like, you know, Jackie's strength is really at the beginning of something, is kind of at the beginning of something mm. and, and sort of the wishing for strength, literally, like, you know, and, and facing the scenario but that you found yourself But also questioning, in. like, questioning yourself before yeah. a big decision. Yeah, for sure. I feel that's what Jackie's mm. strength is about as mm. well. And drawing on the strength of the women in your life in order to make the right decision and get through. And, you know, going back to your point earlier about, you know, your trauma being kind of plastered across podcasts and posts and a book and all this sort of shit, like that's, you know, we'd never, as a, as a Western society anyway, like it, until the shooting of John F. Kennedy, we hadn't kind of experienced that kind of a publicity of grievance, of grief and a publicity of someone who, you know, you know I know that like Professional Widow, you know, is, is about Courtney Love, but for me, Professional Widow is, is the Jackie is the Jackie narrative because that's what she became, you know, in that moment. Um, and yeah, you know, praying for Jackie's strength at this point, you know, listening to that really, it felt like we're absolutely there. Like we're going to need that to be able to not just sort of mine ourselves for what it is we need to kind of dig up for ourselves personally, but then to sort of present it creatively for people. And then, you know, from then on actually crack open the process of what that costs and what that does and what that involves, you know, this isn't, a situation like you have with friggin I'm trying to pull on some you know Jackie Collins you know Marianne you know Leanne whatever Leanne Moriarty where like she just pumps out a book and you're like yeah. you don't know what it's what it's what she's done to kind of you know I'm not Jodie Picou we yeah. are like we're giving you everything yeah um so yeah, I, I felt like that really to hearing Jackie's strength was a bit like that for me like going this is what we're going to require to be able to go through this process as openly as we've chosen to go through it and, and, and as gratefully and, and as interpersonally. You know, it's not like we've kind of hived together and we've kind of got this protective wall up. You know, we're really letting in anyone. Yeah. You know, we're meeting people at shows who want to tell us a whole bunch of stuff and, you know, we're just representing this incredible portal at this point. So it's only just beginning. It's only just begun. <laughs> um... Then we got Russia again, and I loved it even more than the first time. Agreed. I just, I feel like even if she plays it all three LA shows, I'm here for it. I think one of the things that mattered was, it was where we were sat and the vibe of the place was very different from Oakland. I think when Russia happened, because of people's feelings about that song, I think we had a lot of movement, you know, a lot of audience, to, you know, sort of take that moment to go to the bathroom oh or, to, or to head out yeah. or to kind of, you know, go get some air. And what is it with Americans not staying in their seats for their <laughs> entire show? I mean, my goodness, <sighs> I've never been more distracted by people walking around me in anything ever yeah. than these shows. It's the thing, because it's not like, you know, it's not a concert, it's church, you know, like it's just this, it's a very different, uh, you know, having, having experienced this a number of times, you know, both in Australia and America, like it's just a very different 
it's a very different vibe in there, isn't it? It's like a library, yeah. you know, it's, it's just very, and I, you know, I, I don't know, I get a lot of value out of it because I'm channeling, like I'm like focused. Oh yeah. Um, but, um, but yeah, I think Russia but and my Oakland, there was so was much movement. Not, oh yeah. <laughs> was not having a good time with the way that people are oh, just yes. letting up and walking around. Oh, it'll happen a lot in LA, so prepare thyself. Yeah. But, um, yeah. you know, it's that... But when we mentioned Russia, because of where we were sat, we couldn't kind of connect to any of that movement. We could, we could kind of just dial in, which was great. Yeah. Um, Sweet Sangria was funny. Great fun. Because just that day, Bailey was like, I want something summery, like <laughs> Sweet Sangria. And I'm like, yes, yeah, Sweet and Sangria. That's also all about violence and mm. like the innocent people that are hurt in conflict. Yeah. Um, but yes, also about booze. So well, it just has such a, it's such a beautiful afternoon feel. Yeah. It's just the way the music, the musicality yeah. of it is just exactly. gorgeous. So that felt great. Um, and was a good sort of little, uh, uplift before we got Playboy Mommy, which um, kicks me right in the cunt, that one. <laughs> right. Right. I, I'm not as emotionally connected to it as you, but I still love it, love it. And the thing that, the first thought that went through my head as soon as I realized that's what she was playing, uh, I forget, was it you or Teague? Who, as we landed in San Diego said, San Diego has the highest population of military personnel of any city in America. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, it was Teague that said that. And uh, so as soon as Playboy Mummy started, the first thing that I thought was, well, here we are. She's, she's singing about relationships with, you know, a good friend of an American, of American soldiers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the grief that comes with losing someone, there was a lot going on in that yeah, song. absolutely. Black Dove, January. I've always thought of a little bit for me because I am a January girl. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you were lost, weren't you? I was lost yeah. <laughs> because um, they don't know I've already been to the other side of the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and like that, it really speaks to me about the way that when I first started talking about my experiences with people, the amount of people that say, oh, we had no idea, like that that's what was going on mm. because, you know, you always seem so happy. And even like a couple of weeks before leaving, one of my best friends was like, all of those videos you did, it, it shocked me that all of that was going on because like, we just always thought you two were happy. But like, you get so good at living the facade that, you know, they, they don't know that you've been to the other side mm. of the galaxy and what, <laughs> how much of a dark and kind of scary house yeah. it is. We pretty much rolled on from there to the end, didn't we? And got, yeah. Until we got to Take to the Sky, which has become a gay anthem and I love it. So I had never heard this version before. But you I, saw the, did you see it? Did you see the videos before it happened in Florida? I saw, I think I might've seen like a tiny clip or yeah. something, but I, I, I never like realized got, what it was, realized exactly what was going on. And then the first time she did it. So, okay. To explain for people who don't know anything about this, she has a song, Take to the Sky. Um, and in it, there's a lyric where she says, you can say, what you don't like, you can say it again. You can say it one more time. Ah, oh, there we go. And you it's like, you can say it one more time, you can say it one more time, you can say it one more time, what you don't like, let, let me hear it like. one more, let me hear it one more time. It's talking about a lot of things. And so then 
But it's mostly about people who have told her that she couldn't be what she wanted to be and people who tried to squash her in a box and people who have sort of... who have sort of tried to discourage her from the life that she ended up building. So it has... It's one of those brilliant songs in the canon, in my opinion. I freaking love Take to the Sky. And so then have a seat while I take, take to the, the sky. sky. That's right. But this version is that she's started doing, which is amazing, is when she says, you can say it one more time, she then starts singing over and over, gay, 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 gay. It's brilliant. She started doing it in Florida in response to what has been sort of colloquially called the don't say gay laws, which prevent any education around gender diversity to young people and punishes any sort of parent or caregiver who encourages um, supports for young people experiencing gender dysphoria. There is serious, in, in, in what is a very serious attack on trans people and trans children, particularly in this country, which I know we're going to talk about a lot over the next um, bit of this podcast, especially as we go through fucking Utah and fucking Idaho. So brace yourselves, kids. <laughs> Buckle up. Mama's got some shit to say. Uh, but um, yeah, so she started doing it in Florida and it just, and naturally, the gays got a hold of it and now it's, now it's, <laughs> it's everywhere. And someone said uh, that someone needs to make a remix of it. Yes. And we heartily agree. Yeah, whoever's listening who knows how to do remix shit, make a remix. Please make the gay, 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 gay remix of Take to the Sky. Yeah. What I love is that um, my, my other favourite memory of that song is, so the person um, who said that, that there should be a gay, there should be a remix of that, is a very, um, a very dear friend of mine who lives here. Um, we met on the last tour, on the last night of um, tour, which was, they had a big Tori Amos after party at a gay bar. Um, I was gay at the time. Shh. And uh, but I remember seeing this guy, um, like pretty much when he walked in the venue, I remember seeing him across the dance floor and I was like, oh, wow. Like, it just, the chem, like, the, I mean, you just feel that incredible chemistry and that incredible lust and that, like, fire in your belly, like, that bit. And there's just this, like, connection, which I, ma- I, I imagine you have felt it because you've got a partner. <laughs> you know, um, it's that, I have to meet that person. Like, there's something about that person I'm just so drawn to and I don't know who they are or anything like that. And I've felt that with this, this person. Um, and eventually kind of got the courage to go up because um, he was dancing. He was such a good dancer. And I went over and I was like, you have really, really good rhythm. It was like, that was my like opening line. And he was like, oh, I really like that. Like, okay, thank you. I really like that as an opening line. Like, because, I mean, you've seen him. He's a good looking rooster. <laughs> he, and, is. Um, he is. He is. And uh, anyway, Take the Sky was playing. We were making out. Like, we were like, it was like, it was like, a, it was like, take it. Yay! Taking out. <laughs> take to the Sky is great makeout material. Pop it on. Find a friend. Have a great <laughs> afternoon. You're fucking welcome. So it was, that was a really lovely, and Panther was there that night as well. So um, it was it was very cool. Yeah, full circle moment. Yeah. But talk about full circle moments. Tear in your hand. Oh, I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> that tear in your hand was on. Uh-huh. The final number of the show is Bailey's signature song. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I have um, I have lyrics of this song tattooed on my inner thigh. I'm hungry. Um, just, I just looked at his watch and I'm like, oh, I 
twenty to eight, no, man. You, you look. I looked at my watch because Tig's notification that it's time for dinner. Oh, perfect. And then you said I'm hungry. <laughs> it's like just under realize I'm like frothing for food. This is um, all staying in, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we should open the whole thing. <laughs> um, we just need a yeah. Oh, we want to do work for you, but we also want to eat. No, I'm turning hand. Um, I have lyrics tattooed on me in her handwriting that I got her to write for me when um she came to Nam in 2014. Um, and the song, in the wake of, in the wake of, uh, you know, falling out of love recently, you know, the, the opening of the song is, you know, all the world just stopped now, so you say you don't want to stay together anymore. But is also a very powerful song about my gender, you know, and about that kind of sense of, you know, that, that male side of me going, oh, we're not going to do, we're not in this together, like, I, I have to go. And all the things that I'm made out of 30 years of life suddenly don't matter. Um, and it's not it, that's not the truth for me, but it's kind of what that song really represents. And um, you know, all the world is dangling, and and it's just that sort of honouring the fact that you can be anything, and and you matter. I think like that's been you know when you've been through certain forms of abuse, like you and I have been, the thing that kind of really comes out, which is really so hard to to rebuild for yourself, is the fact that you just fucking matter. It's as simple as that. You actually you deserve. So it's not about what you deserve, it's the fact that you deserve, period. It's that you matter, period. You don't have to do anything, you don't have to be anything, you don't have to love anyone, or you don't have to work hard, you matter. And you are nothing but possibilities. Your response to whatever it is that you're facing in this life is nothing but potential. And so that sort of line, you know, the black of the blackest, you know, all the world is all I am. You know, you don't know the power that you have with that tear in your hand yet. It's what I cry and what I feel matters. It was a, it was an incredible sort of way to wind up the show. I, uh, I felt quite honoured uh, listening to it, hearing it live with Bailey sitting next to me, and I feel like I understood both the song and Bailey a lot more from having that experience. And you should all go listen to it now. Yes, listen to Tear in Your Hand, it's on Little Earthquakes. You can also, if you'd want to hear me gab on about it a bit more, um, I was on the Tear in Your Hand episode of uh, the Songs Never of Shut Up. No, Songs, yeah, Songs of Tori Amos, Never Shut Up was the daily one. No, um, Songs of Tori Amos, which is a, another great podcast on Spotify, the Sideways Society, our uh, brethren in arms and sounds and ears. They, they have all the knowledge, we have the feels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh my god, I absolutely fangirled over David Anderson and made like so many horrible lewd gestures and like horrible remarks. I'm so embarrassed, David, if you're listening, sweetie, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but also, no regrets. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, we're friends now. I've decided. <laughs> so that winds up us talking about the first two shows. Yeah. We'll try and be a bit more succinct when it comes to the three shows we're seeing. We'll try, we promise. In LA. You can edit this down. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> fix it in post. Um, I th also feel like there's only a couple of minutes worth cutting out of that, so shit. Um, I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Here's an hour long episode coming your way. Ooh, we'll see you next week for tour part two. Yes, and then, then we get stuck into the and the real shit the main episodes. Can't wait.
The Michael's Walk podcast acknowledges that the journey they are undertaking takes place on the sacred and unceded nations of many proud Indigenous peoples. From the lands of the Wurundjeri and the Bunurong people of the Kulin Nation, we are fortunate to call home to each and every Native American tribe's land we'll set foot on as we travel. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging, and humbly acknowledge their sovereignty.